Good morning, Lakeside. All right. I'm so glad each and every one of you are here and those that are joining us online. We're glad you're here as well. Years ago, Jennifer and I led a high school youth group. We uh, learned a lot of things about dealing with teenagers. And uh, we took those teens on various missions trips. We took them on five different missions trips to, let's see, Toronto, West Virginia, Kentucky, Tennessee, and Oklahoma. Oklahoma, that was great. Oklahoma was in August. I'm just going to let you know that is not the place to go in August. Now, we weren't supposed to go to August or to Oklahoma. We were supposed to go up in Canada, and the organization we worked with couldn't get support up there, so they said, oh, we'll just send you to Oklahoma instead. <laughs> oh, my goodness. A couple of the teens from here had gone on those trips with us. Audrey Novak went with us. Uh, Abby Rush went with us. A few others. We, uh, we always did training before we went on the mission trips. We would usually go away for a weekend, and just get them to be able to focus on what was coming up, the mission trip that we were doing and what that was all about. We would work on teamwork with the teens uh, so that they would trust each other, so they knew what the capabilities were of each of them on the team and that we could work as a team to accomplish the mission. We trained them in cultural differences. Now, a lot of times it was just we're only going to West Virginia. What's the deal with cultural differences? Oh, my goodness. We learned, <clears throat> we learned that not everywhere we went was like Northeast Wisconsin. What a surprise, huh? Did little exercises, had little weird names, weird sayings that we did, stuff like that, so they would understand that we are going to go in places that they might have never even thought about. We also did some training in conflict management. If you know me, that probably wasn't going to be one of my strong suits. Because <laughs> my conflict management expertise is, if there's conflict, run. I don't want to deal with it. However, we did that because we knew there was going to be con we we're going to have a whole bunch of teens going away for a week or so. There's going to be conflict. No, not necessarily just with them, with us, whoever. Uh, I remember one of the exercises we did one of the years, I uh, talked to one of the individuals that was in the youth group. And uh, I picked him because people would believe him to be able to just get upset and have a quick temper. For some reason, I had picked him. Anyway, I talked with him before the training time. And so we kind of got into it. Nobody else knew but him. I told him, we just you and I are going to do this. We got into it for this conflict management thing. And in the middle of going through it, he just got up, huffied out, and walked out of the room. And then I just stood there. And all the other teens were like, what do we do now? We brought him back in and talked about the conflict and how they felt about what was going on, that kind of stuff. So we trained him in some conflict management. And we also trained them for their testimony because we knew that at some time on that missions trip, they were going to be asked to give their testimony. So that was one of the trainings as well. Now, before we went on each missions trip, we also developed a prayer list because 
even though we needed financial support from people to go on the trip, we, we really coveted their prayers. So we made a prayer list. They worked together with Jen and I. We actually, sometimes we had a, a group picture on the prayer list. Sometimes it was just individual pictures. But we made a prayer list so people would be praying for us as we went. And we also developed something called a team covenant. Now I just looked at, when I was getting ready for this, the team covenant that we had for the group that went up to Toronto. And I tell you what, it's just amazing what the teens and Jen and I and God came up with with regard to the team covenant. It was really, really good. There were so many good things on that covenant. Talked about our vision, talked about the teamwork, talked about praying for each other before and during the trip. Talked about our deep daily devotions that we were going to do. Every, you know what, I was looking at that and I said, man, I think I ought to bring a copy of this Team Covenant to our elder meeting and maybe us elders should get one of these because we wouldn't really have to change much. It's amazing. Maybe, you know, maybe we need to do that amongst ourselves as well. But everyone that went on that trip, just let me tell you this, every single person that went on that trip, Jennifer and I included, we all signed a Team Covenant. We all agreed to those points that were on that Team Covenant so that we could do the mission that God called us to do. There was one point in the covenant, and I want to just read you what it was that we said. Ministry opportunities. We will seek to be a witness of the love of Jesus to the people we meet all throughout our trip. This shall include testimonies, speaking at churches, and Christ-like behavior. We signed that. We said we agreed to that. And... Of course, when we were talking about testimonies, some of the individuals are like, I'm not quite sure about this, but okay. And we worked it out to have everybody had their testimony prepared. And on our way to one of the trips, we stopped at a rest, fast food joint, whatever. And we all grabbed our stuff. We got back to the van. We're getting ready to go. And we're like, does anybody know where Chris is? I will just leave him. No, we didn't do that. But, but it was one of those, we don't know where Chris is. And, and then a little while later, a couple minutes later, all of a sudden Chris comes out. And he is like ear to ear, grin, and just like, hey, you'll never get. And we're like, what in the world? He said, I was in there getting ready to do some ordering. And a lady came up to me and asked me what we were doing. He said, and you know what? I got to give my testimony right there in the restaurant. And we're all like, Cool. Awesome. But it's one of those things that, and he was one of those guys that, I'm not quite sure about it. I'm reading a 52 Weeks with Jesus book by James Merritt. And just two weeks ago, one of the beginning parts of the daily read was this. Even thinking about sharing one's faith with another makes some people break out in a sweat. You might be one of those people. God, you want me to share my testimony with somebody? <sighs> I don't know if I could do that. If you are one of those people, or just hang in there, all right? Stay with me to the end, because we're going to talk about your story, your testimony this morning. But let's pray before we get going. Father in heaven, once again, we come before you, your children. 
We thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy that you just bestow on us. We don't deserve it. And Father, this morning you've got some word for us. You've got some encouragement for us to bring our story, the story that we have with you to others. So Father, I ask you myself to just help me get out of the way and let you do your thing. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our scripture this morning comes from 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. And it says this, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. We're going to take that apart in a while, but to begin with, People love to hear stories. Do you love to hear stories? I love to hear stories. I love to hear other people's stories. I love to hear stories that might not even be true. Hey, man, that's cool. But we love to hear stories. I even use stories in my training when I was doing training of adults. I would use stories, and you know what? People would remember. Some of the students would remember what the story was about for years later. They would even tell other people, you don't remember, but Gordy told this one story, and this is what it, how it applied. But we love to hear stories. Your story is unique to you. People can choose to believe your story or not. But I'll tell you this, it's your story. It's unique. You have a story. I want to tell you a story about something called unconditional love, all right? I uh, grew up, <clears throat> church guy, you know, my grandma even called me Bible boy, which is, okay, fine, grandma. Um, went to church, did all, the, did all the church stuff, you know, went to church camp, said the prayer, everything is cool. Then I got out of high school, and I went in the Navy, and then went in the Navy. And then later on, I, you know, it was kind of one of those things that I saw what happened to guys that testified to who they were and being a Christian and stuff. And I said, well, maybe I'll just kind of just not be so vocal about it while I'm here. Um, our, our kids came along. I'm standing in church one time talking to somebody after, after church. We call it coffee hour, all right? And all of a sudden, bam, look down. There's my son looking up at me. I said, you know, you're not supposed to run in church. He says, okay. So I turn around to talk, and then all of a sudden, bam, I'm like, uh-oh, turn around. He had fallen. We had those cute little wooden chairs that kids could sit on with the nice sharp corners. <laughs> yeah. He fell down and cut his eye, and he's running towards me. Blood's running down his face. Ah! I'm like, thank you, Lord. I just got done with first aid training at work. Picked him up my arms, put the old direct pressure on it, and got over to the hospital. We had a hospital in Kiwani at the time. We did, yeah. And they even had an emergency room and all that kind of stuff. It was pretty cool. So we got over there to the emergency room. He got in there. Of course, they're going to stitch up the cut. But when you're like, I don't remember how old he was, five-ish maybe. Anyway, when you're that little and they come at your eye with a needle, you don't like that. <laughs> so he's, oh, so they kind of just, Brought somebody in to just calm him, gave him something to calm him down. Okay. Well, I was sitting there holding his hand. Jen and the pastor that was there at the time, they were out waiting in the, uh, the lobby or whatever. So I'm sitting there holding his hand. 
And he starts with this, Dad, take that stuff off. I can't see you. You know, they put the sterile stuff in there so they can, anyway. I said, I can't do that, buddy. They're gonna, they'll have to start all over again. But, Dad, I can't see you. I'm like, I'm sitting here holding your hand. Yeah, I know, but I can't see you. And then he was starting to calm down. I'm like, oh, okay, good. And as I was sitting there, God spoke to my heart, not necessarily to my ears, but God spoke to my heart and said, Gordy, now you know how I felt when my son was hanging on a cross for your sins and I could do nothing about it. I said, okay, I got it. I got that one figured out. Before we continue to break down that First Peter passage, I want you to know that there are other passages in the Bible, and I didn't get all of them, of course, but I wanted to bring a few other ones up to show you that God wants us to tell our story. And there are many, many passages that tell us about that. We're going to start in the Psalms, verse, chapter 66, verse 16, and it says this, Come and hear. All you who fear God, let me tell you what he has done for me. The psalmist is letting people know, hey, I want to tell you what God's done for me. In Psalm 107, we read this, verses 1 and 2. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. I remember hearing that often, but I don't remember the rest of it sometimes. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe. Once again, let the redeemed tell their story. And we go over to the New Testament in Mark chapter 5. We remember the story of Jesus when he landed on the shore and the demon-possessed man came out of the tombs and, and confronted Jesus. And the, the demons inside of him asked Jesus what did he want to do with them. And Jesus asked who they were. And their name was called Legion. That's what they said. There, for there were many of them. And I just found out recently, and I didn't even know this, but the Roman contingent that was in town at that time, they were called legion. And do you know what their mascot or symbol was? It was a wild boar. Coincidence? I think not. Anyway, Jesus drove the... the the demons out and stuff. And the man was sitting there and fully clothed and everything. And the people came and talked with him. And, and then Jesus was going to get in the boat and leave again. And the man said, can I come with you? And in Mark chapter 5, verses 19 and 20, it says this, Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. They were amazed because they knew who that guy was and this isn't what he is, was anymore. We also want to go to 1 John chapter 1. And we read in verses 2 and 3, it says, The life appeared, we have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father, and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, 
Jesus Christ. You see, they're telling that this is what happened with us. This is what we saw. This is part of our story. We're not making it up. We're not telling you something else from somebody else. We're telling you what we actually have experienced. So if we go back to 1 Peter and start taking that apart, in the beginning it says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Sometimes we would gloss over that beginning part of that verse because we want to get to the rest of it or because, hmm, okay, yeah, in our hearts we'll do that. But when we're talking about giving our testimony, that's where we have to start. We have to start with revering Christ as Lord in our hearts because when we do that, when we have accepted him into our life, when we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that relationship, that Holy Spirit that's come and lived lives in us will allow us to show God's love to everybody that we come in contact with. And it's important to start that there. So then the focus of our testimony will not be on anything of us. It will be on God himself and everything that he has done for us, which is what our testimony should be about. Pastor Brian a couple weeks ago even talked about this. He said, all the attention and honor must be about Jesus and God. When we're talking that way, when we're giving our testimony, that's where we need to be. The next part of that verse says, always be prepared. And sometimes we can say, okay, always be prepared. Yeah, I understand, Boy Scouts, be prepared, all that stuff. But when it says always be prepared, it means, get this, always. Not sometimes, not just when it suits you. You don't know when somebody needs to hear your testimony. So you need to always be prepared. Chris didn't know on the way to the mission trip he was going to have to give his testimony. Well, of course, he didn't have to, but he was going to be able to. How's that? We don't know when, so we need to be prepared. And then it says to give an answer. Now, this might be something you don't understand, but when it says give an answer, that implies... Somebody has asked you a question. Really? Answers come after questions? Yeah. Some people read that to be something different. Always be prepared to tell somebody whatever you want to tell them, even if they don't ask. Have you ever met somebody like that? If not, well, you will. <laughs> so we need to give an answer to the question that's asked, why we live the way we live. And the answer, it says, to everyone who asks you, not just some people, not just your friends or your relatives or people you know you'll be safe with, to everyone who asks you. God will bring people to you that need to hear your story. It might be scary to some of you that your story would be for some people and God's going to bring them to see you, but he will. He'll bring people that you need to tell your story to. We all influence different people at different times. The people I influence are different than the people you influence. The people that Pastor Brian influences are different than the people you do. 
each and every one of us has a different crowd that we hang out with, that we interact with, that we will come in contact with, that God brings our way. Then it says to give the reason for the hope that you have. And the question then says, why do we have hope? Hope. If we're going to give the reason for the hope, what is the reason that we have hope? People have been looking for hope this whole year. Hope in this or hope in that. We have the best thing, best reason there is to have hope. God gave his son for us so that we don't have to bear the penalty for our sins. Our hope is in Jesus and what he's done for us. Our hope is steadfast and sure. People are looking for that hope. They've been looking for it for all time, but recently it's, been, it's kind of come up. I, I go around and I've seen big signs on people's houses, hope. I saw somebody that actually took a big piece of plywood and put those little Christmas lights in, in the word of hope, so that that could be lit at night, that we have that hope. And as Christ followers, we need to live so that others will know that we have that hope. That hope that endures. That hope that answers the questions. That hope that gives them some peace and something to look forward to. And at the end of that verse, it says, but do this with gentleness and respect. If somebody has asked you why you have the hope, if somebody has asked you what how can you be so joyful? If somebody asks you, how can you be so optimistic with what's going on? They would like to have an answer. And in and, and the gentleness that you have to give that answer, they will understand why you have the hope. A gentle answer also shows your concern for their question. Because they're not looking at having somebody tell them, well, this is it. They want to know your answer, your story. And respect for the person wanting to know why you have hope. It says that. Respect. They want to be able to have that hope as well. They want to be able to have that hope in Jesus that you do. People ask all the time, hey, where'd you get that wheelbarrow? Where'd you get that Lawnmower, where'd you get that car? Where'd you get that hat? Where'd you get that shirt? They ask us. And then they say, well, where could I get that? And you know what? I haven't heard of anybody that says, I'm not telling you. Because <laughs> they're asking because, hey, that's kind of cool. I'd kind of like that. So we tell them, well, we went and got it at Home Depot. We got it wherever, whatever it is. I got it online at Amazon, of course. That's where we got it. Giving our testimony, telling someone our story, is the same thing as that. People say, where'd you get that? But they're talking about the hope that we have in Jesus. They're, they're talking about the difference in our life. Where did, how come? Why? Sharing our testimony should be as easy as answering those questions of 
Where did you get that? There are people that need to hear your story, your testimony. There, I'll say that again. There are people that need to hear your story or your testimony. And God will show you who they are. And you're thinking, well, I don't really have... You have a story that is unique to you. I said that before. No one else can tell that story. No one else can tell that story like you can tell that story. Because it's in your heart. You know it. Backwards, forwards, inside and out. It's your story. Your testimony will reach people that I can't. Your testimony, your story will reach people that Pastor Brian can't. And you're thinking, and you're sitting there right now going, but Cordy, I don't have a story. Some of you are doing that. You're like, I don't, I don't, I don't have a story. Let me encourage you right now. If you are a Christian and you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you have a story that somebody needs to hear. Yes, your story is that important. And it may be not just one person. There may be multiple people that need to hear your story, but when God brings them into your life, please, please do not shirk away from that person and let them in. Tell them your story. Tell them why God loves them so much that he gave his son for them. It's that important that you have that story. There are three things I want us to remember from this morning's message. None of them are my knowledge, please. I, I'm just up here because God said, hey, bring this message. But there's three things I want. I think God really wants us to remember. The first one is this. Live in such a way that other people notice that you are different. As a Christ follower, we need to live in such a way that people notice that we're different. And I'm not talking about different. All right? There's plenty of people out there that are different. But I'm talking about living in such a way that people can see God's love in and through you. That when they come in contact with you, they go away and go, wow, that was, that was amazing. I don't know what that was. As Christ followers, he's called us to do that. To live in a way that's different. Second thing we need to remember is to prepare our testimony. You have a story that needs to be told. You need to prepare that so that others will hear it when they ask. And when I say prepare your testimony, one of the things that we talked to the young people about was when we prepared our testimony, we said, a testimony should be a right around three minutes, give or take a little. And when we did the training, we actually timed them so that their testimony was going to be right around three minutes. And most of them, we all got them to, to be right around three minutes, give or take a few seconds. And it's important that when you prepare your testimony, you, you look at that timing because I don't know about you, but I've heard people tell their testimony and it's like, let me know when you're done. 
Okay? But a three-minute testimony is about, about it. It works really good. Because less than that doesn't give you really enough time to, to explain why you have that hope. And more than that does just like I said. <laughs> All right? So prepare it. Have it ready when somebody asks. If you don't know if your testimony is good or three minutes or what, find somebody. Find a friend. Find Pastor Brian. <laughs> Ask him, hey, I'd like to tell you my testimony. See if it's good. See if it's three minutes. I don't know, you know. Prepare. Do it. Find somebody that'll be willing to listen to it. Or me, I guess, if you tell me. And the third thing is, when you're asked, share what God has done in your life. When you are asked, share what God has done in your life. That's an important part of this whole thing is when you are asked. Because we all know people that will tell us their testimony, even if we don't ask them. It's not received as well. When people ask you, they want to know the answer. So share it. I want to close this morning with a blog, a blog post. As I was getting ready for this, there was, you know, you're looking at different things here, there, and everything. And, I found a blog post that Jen had written back in 2013. And as I read it, I said, wow. That hits the nail right on the head. So I want to share that with you this morning at the end here. Every life tells a story. Every day is a snapshot of where you come from and where you are going. It is what connects us and what sets us apart. It allows us to know and truly be known. Your story is living proof of an idea, the conversion of idea to action. The worst day of your life becomes the first day of your testimony. Your weakness gives way to God's glory. Your suffering makes way for victory People are searching. What will they find when they look at you? You have a story, and someone desperately needs to hear it. You have a story worth sharing with and for one another. God has taken what could have been a bleak and hopeless picture and turned it into a beautiful landscape full of life and hope. Every time we are given an opportunity to share our story of what he has done in and through us in his bigger story, others have hope that their picture can become something beautiful. A masterpiece takes time, a lifetime. We are his masterpiece, and every part of our story can become a work of art. Father, we thank you for your story, for your interest, for your involvement in our life. Father, we know that you have given each one of us a story unique to us. It's not like anybody else's. You and you alone know who those people are that you bring into our lives that need to hear 
our story. And even if we think we do not have a story, you have given us a story. You have shown us how much you love us. You have shown us the way to live, that we can be a light to those around us, that you can show in and through us your love to those people that we come in contact with and they desperately are searching for that. Father, we know. Help us as you bring those people into our life to share the beautiful story of what you are doing and have done and are doing in each of our lives so that they can then understand that there is hope. There is hope for them like you've given each one of us hope. Father, we just thank you over and over again for your love and your grace and your mercy that you extend to each one of us. We pray you'd go with us this day and allow us to shine your light and tell others more and more about you. In Jesus' name.